Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 16 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood along with Andrew Martin. And it's been a bit of a pick-me-up week, except for maybe last night's game. Now, last night's game was a little frustrating, but uh, five-game winning streak, sweeping a division opponent, always feels pretty good. Yes, it does. Um, and uh, continuing to uh, manage to do okay in interleague play, especially against the Royals, which have been a little bit of a disturbance for us, was was pleasant as well. Yeah, you ask anybody who's not a Rockies fan and say, hey, we did well against the Royals, they're going to say whoopty crap. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. We know that we, for some reason, just have trouble with that team. But everyone else in the ALs, piece of cake. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I bring on the Red Sox. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that series, actually. Even though the Red Sox aren't playing up to their expectations, I think that... Uh, and, I mean, obviously, there's a whole lot of just general National League hate for, like, the AL powerhouses. But, you know, in general, just looking at a lot of the players on the team, I'm really okay with them. Yeah, I mean, well... I hate them on principle. Right. I just cannot stand the Boston Red Sox, but I, I look at their team, their lineup, and I don't know. There's not that much hatred there, and they've got they've got, had a lot of similar problems to us. You know, people being ineffective unexpectedly, and uh, and and uh, a lot of injury problems. I've been losing Ellsbury and Mike Cameron for a while there. That was no good. You know, just things along those lines. It's uh, their season is not going as expected. So at the time of this recording, we've still got two more games against the Dodgers coming up, which are obviously going to be very important. And then we follow that up with uh, another full week in the division. We will uh, we'll be going to San Francisco and have a really interesting uh, matchup on Monday between Lincecum and Jimenez. And uh, then we head to Chase Field for the first time this year. So we're kind of back in another one of those uh, segments of uh, NL West play that are uh, it, it's nice this time, though, to be a little bit, uh, you know, more more fiery of a team in terms of performance. We seem to have some oomph to us. It's a lot of the problems just seem to still exist. We only uh, we scored four on Friday against the Dodgers off of their starter, and then past that it was just shut down, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, and two of those runs were kind of given to us by uh, kind of an off first inning with that that wild pitch, and then uh, and the Belliard error at first yeah. base. Yeah, that, I mean, it, the point that we still got the runs, which I guess is a good thing. But I mean, I guess I'd rather see a five to four loss than a you know five to two loss. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Know, I mean, it was Francis was bound to start getting shelled and giving up two home runs to Manny and Kemp. Definitely a bit frustrating, but uh, you know. It's going to happen. It's not as if we haven't hit our share of home runs recently either. Sure, and I mean, in terms of, of what Francis has done so far, I think it's already really, I mean, for me at least, speaking for myself, it's really exceeded my expectations. So, you know, having that one inning where he just fell apart, is is it's not bothering me too much. Yeah, well, I mean, if he goes on a pattern of two on, one off, I think I'll be okay with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, or even... Point- even two on, and then the one off was just really one inning off. He he was doing really well at first. Yeah, he was. He was uh he was ahead of counts. He was striking a couple guys out. He was getting weekly hit balls, and then suddenly he just uh he was trying for the outside corner too much and just couldn't seem to find it. And then he'd work himself into hitters counts and then have to lay one down the middle, and it just wasn't working out for him. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna have a sort of a bullpen free day today, since that's basically all we talk about on this podcast. I want to talk about the lineup today. Um, t- 
two important things that we that I, that I wanted to bring up in terms of that are well, firstly, Chris Ionetta has been recalled. He was he he he's back uh, back with the team now. They decided to after his performance at AAA, he was he was good to go back up here. At this point, it looks like it's going to be basically two to one every series at best uh, in terms of his starts with him being the one. Um, he went in the only game he's played so far, the only game he started, he was, I think, over four, was he not? Yeah. over for four. I didn't look, it was, it wasn't too special. A couple ground outs, a fly out to center field. Not, not, I mean, it wasn't, you know, punch out, punch out, punch out, right. which is definitely a good thing. And he got the bat on the ball. I mean, it wasn't like he was hitting liners straight at anyone either, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him to break, break back in. And, you know, last year on Island, I lost a lot of his playing time. I was just. It's very frustrating thing because I honestly did not feel that Tori Alba was the best option there. Yes, mm-hmm. you get those bizarre clutch hits that just seem to come out of nowhere, but <laughs> I mean, it was it was all just you know lucky slap singles. So it seemed. I mean, it wasn't obviously just luck. There's got to be because a lot of them were legitimately well hit balls, etc. But I mean, singles kind of spraying singles everywhere doesn't really you know give me the impression of a guy who should be starting behind the plate you know five days a week and or six days a week, mm-hmm. as it seemed, Tracy would ride him. But with Olivo right now, I mean, he's got the stronger arm, and he, yeah, he's not as good at keeping the ball in front of him. He's in a lot, a little lot more squirt by him, and therefore, therefore give up more, extra, you know, extra bases on the pass ball or whatever. But as far as his arm goes, I mean, he's keeping the, the, the running game relatively in control, and he's just, I mean, he, he's not, He's improving on his own game, it seems, and it's not just a lot of lucky slap singles. Yeah, we do get a handful of those too, but I mean, he's showing a lot of power. He's <clears throat> he's he's already walked like fourteen times this season. Yeah, he, he's on pace to like double his season yeah. record for walks. Yeah, exactly. Which which is just kind of well, it's mind blowing, frankly, considering I thought that we were just going to have Clint Barmas part two behind the plate. I mean, honestly, coming in, and I'm sure most people would agree with me. We thought of him being a backup type catcher who. You know, had some thump in his back, but was basically Clint Barmas 2.0, just behind the plate this time. And he's really shown up a lot. I mean, he's batting 300 right now. He's, you know, he, he's getting hits in all directions. He's doubling to the wall. He's hitting home runs. He's throwing out guys. And, I mean, I'm the biggest Ionetta fanboy on the website, I'm pretty sure. And I'll defend him tooth and nail. But, I mean... I still think the problem exists that he needs some consistent playing time to get a swing together. And I'm not saying the triple A is going to be the answer still, but it's a good, it's a, it's a weird problem to have because Levo is just playing good baseball. It's not, Oh, look how clutch he is and fiery he is. He's just doing good at everything. It seems. And yeah, I mean, he makes his outs like everyone else does, but he's one of the most valuable catchers in the majors right now. And it's kind of hard to say, all right, we're going to sit you down for two or three games mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get into a groove. He's... Yeah, I, w- I wish we could, but I mean, I guess it's... it's. I, I'm glad that we can't, that he's doing well enough that we can't rationalize giving Ionetta that much more playing time. Well, what do you think about playing Ionetta a little bit more on the road, maybe? Olivo did better in the last road trip than the one before, but it's still his 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 weaker uh, playing spot. No, absolutely. I mean, he's he's showing himself to be somewhat of a Coors hitter, which is fine. I mean, it it means when people criticize someone for being a Coors hitter, the criticism really is you shouldn't give him a superstar contract or he's not as great as y'all make him out to be. You know, whatever. If he wants to hit hit the cover off the ball at Coors, we need to win those games too, you know. 
So if that's what he wants to do, let him do it. But you're absolutely right on the road. If his um he's struggling that much on the road, Ayanenda has a type of skill set just with the fact that he can get on base so well usually. Works counts a lot. That's a, It's the kind of thing that doesn't really... Uh, I mean, yeah, there are park effects for walks and strikeouts, but not nearly as much as like a power alley. You know what I mean? Um, I get the impression that it might be a good way to get kind of get Ayanenda back into the groove is to give him a little more playing. I mean, if you have to drop, go to a straight platoon on the road or something like that. See how things uh, see how things fan pan out. I mean, if it were that big a difference, I would honestly be okay with, and I'm sure you would be as well with uh, having Olivo start two out of three at home, and then having Ionetta start two out of three on the road. Um, no, I wouldn't be against that idea, but uh, again, it depends on where we go. Because if we uh, next time we hit a hitter's park, I'm not sure I want to keep Olivo on the bench because. If it's like more of a pitcher's park, yeah, it's gonna make Ionetta look kind of poor. But if he can get on base at least, mm-hmm. I, I just I get the impression that Olivo won't be able to get on base as well in a more uh, pitcher-friendly park than Ionetta will. So you think maybe play Ionetta at San Francisco and then play Olivo at uh, Arizona, for example? It, it, I would give that a shot. Yeah, I um, I'm, I'm not trying to say write this down. Ionetta will do better because this is one of those situations where I'm like, I want to get our other catcher back into the groove of things. But with our right now, our number one catcher doing so well, I'm hesitant to bench him at all. But we got to get Ian into playing sometime, and I don't know, it's tricky. So yeah, sure, might as well. Um, at worst case scenario, split the two series between the two of them, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And if it ends up being a two and one, and then a two and one, that's fine by me too. Just get him some more playing time, and if he can do well in those two games, then maybe we'll give him another game, you know, an extra game at Coors. Maybe you know, go uh you know, a 4-3 splitter, you know what I mean, just give him one extra game if we can, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not meant to be at the expense of Olivo, because again, he's hitting really, really well. But more just, we gotta play as a team, I guess. And I don't know, it's tricky. Again, and I say tricky a lot, because when we have one player doing as well as Miguel is, you want to keep going with your starters, but given the organization's philosophy on catchers, that our catchers shouldn't start more than 100 to 110 games in a season... You know, that means we're going to have to have, uh, you know, 60 to 70 games being filled out by someone else. Yeah. Un- unless you're Russell Martin, then you can start more. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if the Dodgers overworked him in the early years and that's kind of where his bat went. Yeah, that's definitely been a kind of a, a theory. And I mean, it's kind of been the same criticism with, uh, of course, Torrey hasn't been there the entire time he has, but he likes to, to overplay some some players, especially... No. <laughs> um, no. Take a look back at the Yankees. Poor Scott Proctor. His career is never the same after he was used roughly every day. I sure hope Matt Daly can adjust to it well, because uh, <laughs> I, I, I found it amusing that we sent him down just to kind of get some rest and you know bring up another pitcher in the meantime, and then the first time he's pitching in consecutive games immediately when he comes up. Well, we... I just we... found that. We put him down mostly just because, I mean, I don't think he would have been sent down at all had we not needed the roster spot for Jeff Francis. Um, and then, of course, we kept – basically, the only reason it was Daly that was sent down instead of, say, Greg Smith was because we needed somebody to start that next game after the doubleheader. Um, yeah. So apparently, though, it did him good. I, I heard an interview with Daly where he said, I thought it was silly that they thought I needed a rest, but then after I got some, I was like, whoa. This is actually pretty different. I feel a lot better. Yeah, I like the mindset that says, you know, whatever, I'm I'm good, I'm strong, I can do this. But, I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm a fan of introspective players who know what they're 
not so much know what their limitations are or I'm gonna, you know, oh, you need to arrest me now. <laughs> but they can kind of realize what's going on with them. But, you know, I guess I'd rather have a competitor who wants to go out there every day rather than a guy who would rather sit a lot. Well, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. It shows a, a yeah. more, uh, you know, forward-thinking attitude and more, I, I will take the agency and, and, and run with it sort of thing. Yeah. So anyhow, anyhow we're talking about the bullpen now. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's stop. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about uh, more more sort of lineup construction sorts of stuff. Specifically, yeah. talk about uh, what you think about the three hole right now. Well, the three hole. It, it, once again, as I say, just about every podcast, I have two ways of approaching a problem. One, the way I would do it if I was actually managing the team, or two, given what I know the team is and isn't going to do, what they should do given those constraints, and if we're gonna keep sticking our best hitter in the three hole it's not Todd Helton he has a 380 something on base percentage very good I'm not trying to take that away from him he has a 345 slugging percentage that's pathetic just he's slugging like about 60 points higher than his batting average maybe 70 and that's just terrible I mean I'm not saying that Helton should be raking 40 home runs still but he was usually better at getting the ball into the gap and he just can't do much more than slap singles anymore it seems and it's just a problem. It is. Just, there's no way around it. I mean, I'm not saying necessarily that something is wrong, but maybe something is wrong. It just it's something that comes to mind because I I know he's going to decline. His power is going to decline. That's just how it is. Well, the power's already been declining. I mean, it can't exactly. really it can't really decline anymore until it's like yeah. zero. <laughs> until it literally is all just singles and and, and walks. <laughs> And that's all he's providing right now. It's kind of a shame that he's not a lead. He's not fast. So we can't just stick him in the leadoff spot. What do you think because... about what do you think about the two hole though? We've thrown that idea around before, and I think I, I, I during it was either oh seven or oh eight sometime, maybe even oh six. So, sometime in the hurdle era, they uh, had uh, Helton in the two hole for like a couple weeks. Just to see, yeah, they played him at, see what was happen. That was 2006. Happen. They had Spilly batting leadoff. They had Barmas in the eighth, and that was a. Uh, it was one of our. It was you know one of the last transition years before we figured, okay, guys, start putting this together, or else we're going to start selling again and you know rebuild certain parts. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, Helton, I thought he was a good idea in the two hole, given the declining power and the still sharp on base skills. It seems like a. Per- I mean, still, I think he's like a perfect candidate for being you know a leadoff hitter, but he's too slow, so. Next best thing, I suppose, is the is the two hole. And of course, you've but, also uh, said in comment section that you'd be willing to demote him all the way to seventh as well. I'd be willing to demote him to seven or eight until he figures something out here. Because if we're we want the eight hole to turn over our lineup, so the I mean, if the pitcher just needs to flub is out and that's the end of the inning, mm-hmm. oh well, Helton will still get on base well enough to turn that over. And worst case scenario, you know, or not worst case, but if it's a better case scenario, and we have less than two outs, you know, bunt him over, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, I mean, Helton just shouldn't be hitting this high in the lineup right now. Because he doesn't waste a lot of outs, it's good to give him a lot of uh, plate appearances. But because he's not doing much with them other than just not wasting the outs, it's uh, it's tricky putting him that high, especially when you got Tulowitzki on the rise. Smith's doing really well right now. Um, Gonzalez continues to hit pretty well. Not walk still, but he's still getting hits and stealing bases and being mm-hmm. exciting. I mean, that's a... Uh, that that's our one two four as it is, and I'm okay with it. Maybe move Hop back to the three again, and then put you know promote Stewart. Well, Stewart's kind of been struggling a bit lately too, so I'm not necessarily comfortable with the idea of him in the five. Maybe put a Levo in the five then. Or we could put. I mean, if we're willing to 
mess with the the thing. We could put Smith in there or Gonzalez even. I mean, not a bad idea. It depends on if we're going to get Fowler playing time again, though. And let and honest, it their usage of Fowler is just blowing my mind right now. What is Fowler's problem right now? Just just straight up and down. What's his his most simple problem? What's what's the biggest you know black mark against him? Uh, he's not hitting. <laughs> okay, uh, but but he, more specific. But be able to be slightly more specific. He's obviously not hitting. Right. It's on the left side, right? Uh huh. And switch. I mean, we brought up the concept of well, he should abandon the switch. Blah blah blah. Okay, that's you know that's good and fine. But if he can still hit from the right side, we're not playing him against lefties. Mm-hmm. We seem to only put him in against righties. It's like we're setting him up to fail. I and mean, of course, now we're not putting him in at all. So exactly, they kept playing him against lefties and never against, or, or I mean, righties rather than lefties, because his right hand swing is much better than his left hand swing, and so he just keeps hitting worse and worse. And they're like, well, Fowler keeps struggling, so we need to bench him now. No, play him against left-handers. What do you I think? Mean, it... For someone, go ahead. I'm just going to say, for, for a manager who loves to play handedness matchups as much as Jim Tracy does, why are we not playing Fowler against lefties? It just I don't understand it. It makes it, it frustrates me very much. We can't keep him on the bench. I really think that if we're just going to put him in against you know right-handers and try to figure a swing out, send him down. Yeah, that's it's not as if that's he, what I was about to if, ask. Yeah, he's he's no veteran. It's not as if you know it would be a major dis respect to him or anything like that. He's clearly struggling when he bats left-handed. Set him in a triple-A, and if he continues to struggle left-handed, scrap it. Call up Cole Garner, because if we're not going to use Fowler as anything other than a pinch runner and a, and a fifth outfielder, Cole Garner can do that. Well, I don't want to <laughs> I mean, get off into some crazy roster discussion, but I'd probably be more comfortable calling up Matt Miller for that unless we expect same thing. Unless we expect Fowler to uh, be down there for a long time, uh, which hopefully he <laughs> wouldn't be. But, I mean, I the way I see it, if we're going to do any mechanical transitions or, or re- reassessments, redesigns of Fowler's swing, or th- that includes switching him from one side to, or from two sides to one, you know, the best place to do that is in a, is on a minor league uh, team. There, yeah, we don't want him to be eating up at bats and playing time to learn. And exactly. I mean, if we if this was the 2006 Rockies and Fowler were still here. Or was somehow up with the team? Sure, go right ahead. Mess, you know, do everything you need to in the majors. I don't care. Let him adjust to major league pitching. We're not winning right now, anyways. But this is a team that is go- that that a lot of people still think, despite our slow start, we'll run away with the National League West. I've heard that from several fans who, you know, it, I mean, it's just fan opinions. But the fact that people are thinking of us in that light just should say something. There are a lot and of national we- media personalities who have who have recognized as well that that we've been injury bitten, and you know, yeah. really, all things considered. The, the reason our team appears to be so – or has appeared through the, the general progress of the season so far has appeared to be so disappointing is really just, you know, in, for comparison's sake, that we have never had this high of an expectation for the players we've had on the team. So Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're this weird mix of uh, – it was a weird mix of injuries and slow starts and – it is figured that people who get hot fast got hurt, like Hop, and uh, and it really doesn't bother me at all because we've had the best start that the team has had since I started really paying attention to. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everything well, seems okay to hope, me. <laughs> let's just hope that we can. I mean, even if it's not going to be a super magical, you know, eight hundred ball run down the stretch or whatever. I mean, as long as we can play some sort of winning ball down the stretch, we should be in a good position. Because mm-hmm. the Dodgers, I mean, last year they showed a lot of signs of tapering off come the end of the season, and they're not going to have another magical Manny Ramirez to trade for to suddenly boost the entire team to the postseason. It's it's just not going to happen. 
and this team could get it done. It's just the fact that because we have expectations and we are a team that can and should win, we can't afford to have remedial time in the major leagues. And when I said Cole Garner, I just threw him out because he's right. my, you know, personal little favorite minor leaguer. Oh, I, I hope we too. see him soon as well. I just, you know, I, I hope he gets a September call up. I just don't. Oh, yeah. I just don't want to burn a year on him for you know two weeks of backup play. Oh, absolutely. You know? Um. So let's talk about Kaz Matsui for a little bit. Signed him to a minor league contract earlier this week. Um. It's not obviously not the first time we've brought this sort of thing on. Of course, we, we brought Fogg back after he didn't stick in Cincinnati. We brought Hurgis back after he didn't stick in Cleveland. And so after he was cast off, uh, you know, it seemed just kind of like, whoa, well, we might as well toss him a minor league off or see if he can jumpstart it back in the minors. And uh, so uh, just any any random thoughts you might have about having him back in the organization well, we called up an old, we called up an old friend and invited him to come, invited him to come back, and that's about all I think of it. He's not going to be in the majors. I mean, if he, this is another one of the situations where, hey, if he proves me wrong, all the better to him. But it doesn't make any sense. He's been on the, he's been on a blatant decline since he signed with Houston, and he, um, I mean, he was he was decently good with us. He had about an average bat, and he was a wizard with a glove. But his defensive range has fallen apart, and his bat has fallen apart. I mean, I just don't see him being an impact player in any regard. I don't even see him being better than Barmas, and I, I do mean that. I know Barmas is struggling and all that, you know, even though he hit a home run on Friday night. I just don't see Kaz actually improving upon that. If we want to talk just second base, I think Eric Young should get more playing time whenever he's healthy, if he's actually healthy and ready to roll. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the fact that we're bringing on Kaz just kind of shows how desperate we're getting right now. Because we recognize the problem, and I don't—I I think it is definitely a problem. But I wrote about it on Wednesday's article that Barmas needs to start looking fastball again, and he's going to stink. But if he can just sit dead red for a while, maybe he can get some of his swing back and start hitting some more liners. But anyway, you look at it; even if he does somehow get some of his swing back, it's still not going to be that great. We need a better second baseman. That's just a fact. Having him back uh, really does uh, also highlight that they 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 have maybe a little bit of understanding now that that Nelson and Gomez you know can't really be trusted to be healthy, and uh, you know I'm really afraid that one or both of them is going to injure themselves out of being uh, able to play for us because I don't think mm-hmm. either of them is a lost cause. I just think oh, no, they're no, far, they're far. yeah. I don't think. I don't think they're the type of player that uh, is has you know been physically. I don't think they're damaged goods, so to speak. I just think that both of them were added uh, last year to the the roster, so now they're they're two option years down, which means twenty twelve is is their uh, their their time to be to to be set. Um, yeah, they pretty much have to be ready. I mean, I'd like to see one of them next year if we can't see him. Hopefully they're both ready in 2012, like you just said. But, I mean, I don't know. They're questionable players coming up as it is. They're, besides injury history, I mean, I've heard they're both good, good glove men, um, which you could, you know, say anything about. Right now, Nelson's not looking too great at shortstop in Colorado Springs, um, defensively, anyhow. You look at his offensive numbers, and uh, the problem that he's having there is that Chris Nelson's looking like a straight platoon player. He's had 47 at-bats versus the right, 8 versus the left. He's opting 829 versus the right and 597 in those 8 at-bats versus the left. And, 
Well, I mean, I just hate to say it, but oh, good, another player on the Rockies who can't hit a left-hander. Shocker. <laughs> and um, I don't see either of them as being the answer. We thought that for a while, and I'm I, once again, I'm not giving up on them. I'm not saying that they can't somehow be useful major leaguers because they both. I mean, pro, you never know what's going to happen with a prospect. But right now, I mean, how long can we afford to wait on them? Mm-hmm. I really think we need to start looking outside of the organization for help. I was and about, when I say that, I don't mean I don't mean more Kazmat Suis. I mean, right? Let's see what we have to trade. And well, see I, who's I was well beyond trading, and of course, I I think so, at some point, especially as we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about potential trades. Uh, but at this point, I was also thinking, I mean. Later this year, trade is obviously the way to go, but looking even further, let's say we trade for somebody we can't keep. Uh, we're going to have um, money coming off the books because next year Todd Helton's salary is cut in like a third, and uh, we will have more room, assuming that the organization is still willing to put, a, put down about the same amount of money they have been to actually go out and start looking to bring other people into the organization from free agency. Well, despite Helen's money, you know, being deferred and coming off the books, so to speak, what about um, <clears throat> what about arbitration and pre-building contract raises? I don't believe that any of that is really going to be. I, you know, I'd, I'd obviously have to look at the numbers more specifically. I know we don't have any contracts that are like exploding. Um, yeah. The only salary that's really going to explode is Ian Stewart's because he's going to be arbitration eligible for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then we have Barmas in arbitration. We have Hamill in arbitration. Uh, I can't remember who else is in arbitration, but, um, you know, we lose, a, you know, 10 million ish dollars off of what we've been paying help in the last few years. We lose, presumably we, we lose, you know, four or 5 million off of De La Rosa. And, Maybe Francis as well, and I, it, it, that really depends on if we sign him back or not. Because we're going to turn down his option. Yeah, there, I don't see a way around that. I, I guess the point is, there's going to be some financial room in there to play around with. Uh, I don't think that we have anybody who is gaining like five to six plus million dollars in 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 terms of their salary. So no, you're right. There's no drastic raises there. It's just the principle that payroll, I mean it's it's gonna be kind of one of those attrition things, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts or whatever. Right. Uh, I mean if we have so many arbitration eligible players, if they all get, you know, an increase of, you know, X million, you add that all up and suddenly that Helton break is gone. Well the good news is again that the only player who is going to be uh arbitration eligible for the first time is going to be Ian Stewart. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that we don't have anybody else coming into it because Morales is going to fall short. Gonzalez is going to fall short. Uh, everyone else who's in that range is not going to be a super two. So yeah. as far as I know, we're going to be in a similar situation to last time with, you know, and of course Spielborgs isn't going to be arbitration either because we signed him two years. Um, so I don't really think that between like Hamill and Barmas or anybody, we're going to have anybody, you know, suddenly come in and say, oh yeah, I'm going to go into arbitration and take $5 million from you. Yeah. Not going to happen, especially now that the season Barmas is happening, having, yeah. I mean, the players that are coming into two to free agency in 2011, there's not a lot of pretty looking guys out there. A lot of veterans, a lot of utility players. Um, Ewan Murrow is going to be a free agent, but I don't want any part of him. <laughs> no. 
Felipe Felipe Lopez but again the pro- <laughs> character issues. Uh, Kaz obviously, <clears throat> Nick Punto, but I bet the Twinkies are gonna hang on to him. I mean Juan Uribe, Ramon Vasquez. No one's looking too special in the free agent market at second base. I mean, we might kick the tires on Julio Lugo, but he's looking pretty terrible again. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Miles is nothing better than a utility player. Orlando Hudson could be a possibility yet again, yeah. but I feel like we pick him up now. It's kind of, you know, look, we got him finally. No, he didn't try to get him beforehand, and now it's too late because he's going to be like 33 or 34, and he's slowly declining as well. I mean, yeah. he's doing very well this season again, but whatever. The point, I don't know. I think the only option really you have is trade. Because no one exciting is going to be a free agent that you know should be anything more than a utility player, and uh, yeah, yeah. In the upcoming weeks, I definitely uh, think we can have some fun talking about potential players in the organization to trade or trade for, and uh, uh, we'll get into that at some other point. So, do you have any final thoughts, maybe on on this stuff or on uh, our series next week, or? Um, it'd be huge to take things away from San Francisco. I mean, they, uh, they've been playing still decent ball. They, I believe they, uh, beat, uh, not the Padres. They beat the, uh, Diamondbacks last night. Was it the Diamondbacks? I don't I looking remember. At the man- I'm looking at the manual, I'm looking at the manual scoreboard in my memory and trying to remember who they were playing. Cause I remember there's a few beat downs laid down across the majors. Like Cincinnati laid down a pretty good beat down. And, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure and, they were playing uh, Arizona because I know that uh, I'm pretty sure San Diego is, is not playing in the, in the division right now, but. Uh, okay. Fair, fair enough. No, San Diego's playing Washington and they lost four to two. Right. Believe, that, no, that, five, three. Washington was able to hang on to the, to a scary last inning or two there. That's <laughs> right. This is where we need to start proving that we are. Uh, you don't have, I mean, if we lose, these road series coming up here, it will stink. We'll still be in it though. And it would be good to kind of make some noise with the teams that are ahead of us right now by winning some games against them on the road Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, we're healthy and we're dangerous and you can't take us for granted. Well, uh, like I said before, we're we're, 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 even with the loss yesterday and assuming nothing apocalyptic happens tonight and tomorrow, uh, that, uh, you know, we're in a better position going into this this NL West road tr- road trip than we were going into the last one. So, um, true, very true. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that keeps up. Hopefully, we 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 finish the home stand, stand strong, and uh, we don't have to find ourselves back in a in a similar place we were a couple weeks ago. Agreed completely. Well, I think that about wraps everything up. On behalf of myself and Andrew, we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>